The following podcast is sponsored by Endgame PR, a social media PR firm based near Richmond, Virginia. To learn more about how Endgame PR can help your business with media relations, social media management, content creation, and even podcast production, please visit endgamepr.com. That's E-N-D-G-A-M-E-P-R.com. Welcome to Rams Rewind, a podcast that looks back on all of the action from VCU men's basketball. In this episode, host George Templeton takes a look forward to Friday's quarterfinal action in the A-10 men's basketball tournament, including VCU's first game of the postseason. And now, here's George. All right, we are finished with the preliminaries at the A-10 tournament, the, the first round and the second round, the two pillow fight day, part one and part two were over with, and we're now the quarterfinal stage where all the big boys get to enter, including VCU. And in one sense, VCU is getting maybe the toughest scenario you could possibly ask for. They are getting Dayton for a third time this season, having beaten Dayton the first two times. And as, as uh, many of our group members, including – one who just logged on, uh, Mitch McGuire, uh, who is who has been calling that Dayton would would since since the schedule change and the fact that the final got moved to Dayton has been saying that Dayton would find a way to get into that final and win the tournament. He's worried a lot of you know, and there are other members that share the same worry. I don't blame him, Dayton. And here's one thing: quite often you draw a game that you absolutely, especially if you're in the situation VCU's in, that you can't afford to lose because you're drawing a team that's not in the top 100. Dayton is at least a top 100 team, so if they lost this game, it's not entirely impossible that they would still that they would be that they would still make the tournament, but I got news for you, it will be it will be a long uncomfortable 9 days if they don't make if they don't win this game tomorrow and we don't want to do that. Um uh, and it is hard and Michael and Stephen Keck it is hard to beat a team 3 times a season, but let let's take both of those games because I, I went and looked back at those games and, and what happened and why did it happen. The first game, the first game was a fluke in the sense Dayton was just not ready for what VCU was bringing. You know, remember VCU had just come off that collapse at St. Bonaventure when they said, you know, when they just when they had a 15-point lead at halftime and then just just absolutely went in the toilet. All right. So you knew VCU was going to respond. They respond by playing punishing, suffocating defense. Uh, they completely wiped Jalen Crutcher out of the game. And, and here's here's the thing. This is this is the reason I feel good about VCU's chances. Jalen Crutcher made his first two shots in the second game against VCU that he played. He made the first two shots he took in the second game against VCU. That at that point. Gave him more points in that game. Gave him more points than he had in the whole of the first game. But outside of making those first two attempts, Jalen Kutcher was 3-for-16 in the two games across against BCU. 3-for-16, 10 assists, 5 turnovers, 12 points, 7 rebounds, 7 fouls. So VCU, and remember, they had Trey Clark, and Keyshawn Curry in the first game. 
in the second game against Dayton, they did have Curry. He played 14 minutes, but of course, Trey Clark was off the team by then. And remember this too, Ace Baldwin had foul trouble in, in, the, in the second game. And yet they locked Jalen Crutcher up twice. And I know what I imagine some of you are thinking it and maybe even about to type it. You're watching in the, in the fan group. Well, you can't stop a guy like that three times. I think they can. Because, and what, and, and to me, because of the way their guards and forwards are, they're going to, they're, they're going to have people take turns. You have both Baldwin and Highland. You have Vince Williams, who you could put on him. And again, I'm also assuming that Highland's going to play. If I'm wrong about that, you know, then disregard what I'm saying here. Um, you know, they, uh, They've got those guys. They, you've got Josh Banks who can come off the bench and help you out. You've got Jameer Watkins. And what do all these guys have in common? Almost all these guys have a lot of length. And they've been able to bother Crutcher. Now, it was interesting. Uh, Dorenda Lovelace was saying, E.B. Watson, we got to worry about him. He was a machine in the second half against Rhode Island. Watson had a really good second game against VCU. He had 20 points. But let's but but all of that came in the second half. And in the second half of that game, it was Watson and Shimanga, and nobody else did anything. And that's one of the reasons VCU was able to run that run win out fairly comfortably in that game. You know, think of that. So think of this. They they stopped Crutcher. He had 12 points combined in the two games. He did have eight assists in the second game, but 10 assists, five turnovers is okay, but not fabulous. And not when you shoot a combined, let's see here, you know, five of 18 uh, in the two games. That's what he had against us. And E.B. Watson in the first game did nothing. He was two for 10 for five points. So they were able, even though he got rolling in the second half of the second game, first three halves of basketball against VCU didn't do anything. In fact, there is only one Dayton player, one Dayton player that got double figures in both games, and his name is Jordy Shimanga. He had 10. In the first one, and he had 14 in the second one. As, he, as Shimanga and Watson combined to score 23 of Dayton's 28 points in the second half of that second game. So, again, it's not as if VCU won two really close games where one or two plays could have gone the other way. And in a situation like that, you wouldn't be surprised to lose the third game. They thumped them the first time. And in second half, and remember this too, and I was thinking about this. Dayton came out red hot in that game in that game against VCU. They made, I think, five of their first six three-pointers. They had a seven-point lead in the first half. VCU took Dayton's best shot in that game. And by halftime, they were ahead because Vince Williams played great. Because Bones Highland, as I, and I, as I was looking back, you know, one of the best games he's played as far as I'm concerned because he was totally unselfish. And did not, you know, did not try to force things, let the game come to him. And he basically had to play point because Baldwin's had to sit down with two fouls after like four or five minutes. So, you know, there were a lot of things that were against VCU in that second game, including the fact that they were on the road. VCU still got the job done. So, like Todd St. Pierre, I feel good about this. I could be totally wrong. Crutcher could finally get his own back against us. You know, Watson could stay hot because he had 25 today against Rhode Island. All of those things could happen. VCU could lose, and then we could have an uncomfortable nine or ten days. 
But I really do feel good about VCU's chances here. And I'm also looking at this, you know, they won that first game so convincingly, even though they had 15 turnovers, they had many assisted turnovers. They were only 25 to 60 from the field. Uh, you know, I 41, almost 42%, not much. But really, they did such a defensive job on Dayton in the two games. The two games, Dayton's 39 of, let me see here, 25 there. So Dayton's 30, 39 of 97. So under 40% for the two games. You know, I, I really do think – I really do think that VCU uh, is in a good position. And I would agree with you, Stephen Keck. I think if, if VCU wins tomorrow, especially now that there's no chance that a George Washington is going to sneak through there and get to the semifinal, they're going to be playing either Mason or Davidson if they win. And, and that's a loss that on a neutral floor is less likely to hurt them. I think that is correct. I think if VCU wins, uh, they are in the big dance. I will point out, though, they are now the last team getting a bye, according to Joe Lunardi, because teams like UConn and others have been flying up the bracket. Uh, so, you know, this is – it is still – it's 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 obviously going to be very tenuous. They should be in if they win. But I do. I, feel, I do feel good about this game for VCU because I really think that, that, that the things that they do well will still work a third time against Dayton. What will be interesting to see is how is Anthony Grant – going to deal with the fact that his best player, one of the best players in the conference, Jalen Crutcher, has had two absolutely terrible games against VCU. Um, how, does he, how does he get Jalen Crutcher going? And, of course, how does VCU defend him? Because if Highland does play, it's going to be his first game in a few weeks. We don't know how physically, how, how physically right he's going to be. We don't know, you know, we don't know how Baldwin's going to handle it if he has to play a lot of minutes because, look, one of the things that probably helped VCU in both games, Baldwin just under 25 minutes in game one and in game two, where, uh, excuse, uh, excuse me, in game one it was just under 25 minutes. In game two, Baldwin played, you know, 25 and a half minutes. Highland played every minute. He played the whole 40 in the second game. He, I didn't have to, I think, the first game. He, he played 28 and a half minutes. So, I mean, that's the thing. What's going to be interesting is what kind of minutes are we going to see out of Highland if he plays and and Baldwin, who's had to go a lot more because, again, Curry's, as far as I think is, I think the news is, is it, that he's still dealing with the fan, terrible famine situation his, his family is in, so I don't think he's going to be there playing tomorrow. So, for me, here's the other thing. Can Watkins and Banks – come in and do a job defensively if we have to ask him to on Crutcher and Watson because that's what we're asking him to do. You know, there, there's a situation where those two guys may have to come in and play well, play well defensively, not even offensively, which would be nice if they do, but it's like defensively we're really going to need you guys, uh, you know, Jameer Watkins and Josh Banks, to come off the bench and, and defend these guys and not let either one of them get loose. So that, that for me is the interesting thing there. Uh, Shimongo, as I said, is the only player in both games to get double figures. Uh, we got to do a good job against him uh, in this game. And, I, and again, I, I'm, I'm feeling fairly confident in our, in our big players, even though they haven't been that good lately. 
I do feel fairly confident in them. Uh, the war, I know the word is that Vince Williams is probably going to play. I think that's good. I think we need him out there. Uh, you know, Vince Williams didn't have a great game the first time, was absolutely huge in the second game. You know, 19 points, which tied Highland for the team high. Uh, he, you know, two huge threes at the end of the first half to put VCU ahead, and it turned out put VCU ahead pretty much for good. They only trailed twice for literally about 30 seconds in the second half. Uh, Vince Williams helped turn that game. And, and the other interesting thing, in both games, long droughts for Dayton in terms of making baskets at the end of the halves. Killed them in the first half, not surprisingly, when they got absolutely boat raced. First half of the second game, because it allowed VCU to turn that game around and get the lead. And then at the end of the game, allowed VCU to pull away uh, and win conclusively. So this is this is interesting. Like I say, this is not your typical, you beat a team twice, oh God, but both games were, were you know, bite the fingernails close and you, and you could easily see them losing this time. I really do think VCU is in a good position here. I think mentally, I think mentally they're going to feel good because they're going to be playing on their own home floor. That's important. You know, and it, and it's, they beat, this is a team. Remember something too. This is a team that had really, that had beat, that beat them twice last year. And one of the games was an absolute blowout. So I think it was, it was important for VCU. That first game was important because they had just come off the St. Bonaventure game. And then the second one, because of the fact that, they were facing a team that was 100% motivated to stick it to them and and came out hot you know came out hot as a pistol from outside and yet VCU weathered the storm and i think again it, it it's going to be that too weather the storm early because again coach grant you know it hurts him deeply that he's lost two to his former school and and what and in the manner that he, that they have you know it hurts him and you know it, it would mean everything to him. And they're going to know that it means everything to him, whether he says anything or not. Uh, that It's going to mean everything to him to win this game and, and, to, and to get past VCU here and get into the semifinals. And also because Dayton just, you know, VCU and Dayton, it's, it's a rival. It's not, it's not the biggest rivalry, but there is a bit of rivalry there because they've had some, they've had some games where it's gotten, you know, where where it's been controversial, where it's been physical, where there's been you know that it's been very close, and you know it it would mean something to, for to Dayton to win this game big time. It would mean a lot to Dayton to win this game, just to knock VCU out. And it's big for Mike Rhodes. Mike Rhodes, you know, out out and round out in the quarterfinals two years ago, and then last year, you know, excuse me, three years ago, two years ago number one seed and goes adios to Rhode Island in the quarterfinal last year would have been, was in the eight, nine game. Who knows what would have happened? Mike Rhodes needs a good tournament run. He needs a good tournament run, not just to get VCU back into the tournament and all that. He needs a good tournament run because he doesn't want people. And I'll be one of them saying, man, your postseason record sucks. What's going on? Uh, so, you know, that, this is important for Mike Rhodes. He's got to show that in a crunch, winner-go-home situation, that he's got the coaching chops and the ability to get the team, to, to not only get the team past a situation like that and whatever nerves, but to conquer his own fears with it and all that sort of stuff, and to be willing 
to maybe, because it is a special circumstance, change a little bit, do things you wouldn't normally do because, you know, you're, you, you, it's, it's win or go home. So that's, that's my view on VCU Dayton. Uh, I'm, I'm not cocky about it, but I am confident because I really do think that, v, that VCU, I think that the reason that we're such that it's a good matchup is the size and the length. And, and yes, even though it's not as good as it was when we played first played Dayton, the depth, there's still the depth there to cause them problems. But it really is going to depend. Banks and Watkins, to me, they're the two of the first guys off the bench. They got to produce. I hope, I hope that we see, you know, Medley Bacon and Brown Jones, uh, some in, to, to help out in the paint, to help that rotation in the paint. Uh, I I think Medley Bacon should have played more in that game against Davidson. I think you know when we were having the problems with Brockovich, and and even in the St. Louis game against French, I think he was he needed to be out there, and I think he could have helped us a little bit. And, and again, I want him, I also want him to get that experience. I want him to get that experience and see what it's like. And and because this is this is a new thing for a lot of these guys. There's been such roster turnover and all that. And and mean and remember. There's people on this team like Highland who didn't get to play a conference tournament game last year because it all went up in smoke because of the whole COVID business. So this is a new experience for a lot of these guys, and that's where the coaching's got to come in. That's where you've got to not only be able to calm them down and say, yes, this is a winner bust game, but you got to play it like a normal game. But you, Mike Rhodes, have to be willing to do things you wouldn't normally do, like if somebody gets on a run – Put the fire out quick. Don't let it get to a point, and then you call a timeout, and then you're going, damn, maybe I should have called it one or two possessions before that. Understand this. I under I like that there's a lot to there's a lot of merit to what he to, to his view of let the players work out of it. Let let them let them try to figure it out. But to me, you can't get you can't do that in a postseason game because Everything is magnified. The games, there's less possessions usually because the game is slower. Although we're gonna, I'm gonna get to an example of a game that certainly wasn't the case in that regard. But the but the games tend to be slower. You get less possessions, so deficits of a certain size become magnified. So that's something Mike Rhodes might have to adjust and change a little bit too, and understand. Hey, I just can't leave them out there to do whatever. This, you got to guide these guys because again, this is this is a new experience for a lot of these players because they didn't get to play in a tournament game last year, and that's that's something that he's got to realize. So that is VCU versus Dayton. Let's talk about the rest of these quarterfinals because we got some interesting ones. I I I, wa- I I tell you this much: I w- if there was one game I wished I'd watched today, I wish I had watched UMass versus St. Joe's because I'll tell you what, it is. You don't see teams score 100 in, in college that often. You certainly don't see it in postseason play that often. And even more remarkable for Massachusetts, they got 100 points and not one person had 20 points. Their biggest scorer was DeGray. He had 19. It's six guys in double figures. To get 100 without somebody scoring 20 or 30 is pretty darn remarkable. So Massachusetts – and that's the thing. I I said it in the previous pod. I thought St. Joe's could maybe go on a run because of some of those games they won at the end of the season. 
Uh, and they did win the first game, but man, they got absolutely stomped today by UMass. What a performance and what a game against St. Louis and prospect now. Golly, of course, you know, St. Louis, they, they're in the same situation maybe as VCU, although maybe they need to win two games to lock to get themselves in the tournament as opposed to one. Uh, we'll see how UMass is going to be able to hot walk and run around on St. Joe's like they did uh, uh, on, on uh, St. Louis like they did St. Joe's because, number one, the game's going to be a much slower game. You, you, they gonna, Nobody's going to be getting 100 in that game. It's going to be bruising and physical. Uh, I mean, Massachusetts made 15 threes. They were 15 of 38. And they had to slow down to do that because in the first half, I was I kept checking the score because I couldn't believe it. I think they were like 11 of 17 from the first half. I mean, they were they were a freaking flamethrower. Finished 40 of 72. My goodness. You uh, you just see that and you go, holy moly. I mean, you know, shoot shoot like that in a in a in a postseason game is is pretty stinking remarkable. But yeah, UMass and St. Louis, that is gonna be hell for leather tomorrow. I am I am very much looking forward to that. Uh Duquesne upsets Richmond, and and uh, uh, who was it? I think it was Dan Gatanis who said it. You know, Duquesne is only in this game, only won this game because Richmond probably played the worst 10 minutes of the season in the final 10 minutes. He's not wrong. I, I was in the car doing errands at that point, and I was listening to that game on my phone, and Richmond were just a shambles at the end of the game. Uh, Nathan K.O., if Nathan K.O.'s played the worst game than that in his career, I'd like to see it because it was, it, was no, it was no bueno at all. He was – he was turning it over. He was getting his shot blocked. He wasn't doing anything. And Golden, Golden, what a awful last game for him to go out on if he's not coming back. Because uh he would he struggled badly too. And I, a great break as far as I'm confer- concerned for St. Bonaventure. St. Bonaventure, uh, having to play Richmond would have been tough. Uh, they certainly could have won it, but you know I wouldn't have been shocked if Richmond had upset St. Bonaventure. I would be very surprised if Duquesne knocks over uh, SPU. And let's give Duquesne some credit. You know, they had all those guys leave in the middle of the season, and and Keith Danbrot and them still managed to have a fairly decent season considering, uh, you know, Dunmartin, he had a heck of a game, which is no surprise. Dunmartin had a heck of a game against VCU last year when Duquesne uh, beat VCU uh, in February when VCU was going down the toilet. Uh, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if Duquesne can give – St. Bonaventure a game. I really wouldn't – I would be very surprised if that game was close. I'd be even more shocked if Duquesne won it. That's a good, really good break for SBU. You figure if SBU can win that game, that they're probably definitely in, even if they were to lose to St. Louis in the semifinals, for instance. It might get a little thornier if it's UMass, but you'd have to feel good about St. Bonaventure if you win that game. But if they lose it, ooh, that's going to be a long nine or ten days for them waiting for the uh, selection Sunday. If they lose it, you wouldn't want to lose that game. Uh, then, let's see here. And now the, the, the last game of the day is going to be uh, George Mason against Davidson. Very interesting. George Mason really struggled for quite a long time with George Washington. And I, uh, some of you might have been watching this video, uh, might have been in on the uh, – uh, or watching this video, not listening, might have been on the A-10 game thread that we had going. Uh, George Washington was up six middle of the half, and then George Mason went on a big run. But then the Colonials kept hanging around and kept hanging around until about the last four or five minutes, and then Mason put them away. 
Uh, let me see here. I want to see what Oduro had because, you know, because of the work he put in on us and put in on VCU that time. Okay, yeah, he, he actually didn't have that big a game. Miller had a huge game. He had 19 and 10 for the for the Patriots. Uh, Oduro only had five points and six boards. And then Polite off the bench at 17. So uh, that'll be an interesting game. Uh, Mason – Mason's been kind of gathering momentum. I mean, really, since they since they won at the Seagull Center, which is again, as I said, has cost VCU that number one seed slot. Unfortunately, uh, you know, Mason's been gathering momentum. Davidson is, but Davidson's going to be a tough challenge because again, they got they got Brockovich in there. Brockovich versus Oduro is going to be going to be some kind of a battle. Uh, Wilson's going to have to pitch in on that one, and of course, defensively, can Mason. Keep that, keep that, that Davidson attack, that varied multiple Davidson attack that 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 just is so hard because they're not gonna, they're not gonna just, they're they're not gonna quit doing what they do, and it makes them hard to defend because you know it's coming and you know the back court backdoor cuts are coming and you know the three pointers are so important and yet, and yet they can do it because they execute it so well and it's very very hard to stop. So how's Mason going to handle that? I'm trying to see if Mason's played Davidson this year. I don't think they have. And I think that's the other thing. I think it's really tough because I think you, you you it's hard to play Davidson in a short situation like that, especially if you haven't played him during the season. Because, you know, they they just it's it's not easy to prepare for what you're gonna do because it feels like it feels like a death by a thousand cuts. It also feels like they're attacking you from every angle. So you kind of don't you don't know where it's coming from. Sometimes with them, so that's gonna be that's gonna be tough for for George Mason. But hey, you know what they they've played well, they they've played well. Four wins in a row now. Started with that excuse me, five wins in a row because they 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 had some canceled games in between their win against uh, uh, Fordham. So five wins in a row for George Mason, not too shabby. And I think you know I think this that's gonna be a very interesting game. The, it's funny, you know, there was a lot of talk about the brackets and how they set up and how VCU might've gotten the benefit by being the two seed. Mm, Got to tell you, I'd rather be playing Duquesne than Dayton tomorrow. I really would rather be playing Day- Duquesne, Day- uh, Duquesne than Dayton. That said, I, I'm still very confident in VCU. These, these, these quarterfinals could be really good. I'm not sure about the one nine uh, in that one, but I, the rest of them on paper look pretty darn competitive. That St. Louis UMass game, you can tell me anything. Because you you can't help but be impressed with UMass when they drop the old they they up to they drop the old uh, the the old Ben Franklin the old C note the old one hundred right on St Joe's, but but St Louis is a whole different prospect and of course St Louis you know what's where are they at uh, because because that like I said they they looked like they were rolling then they lost you know then they lost to Dayton and VCU back to back they they kind of got themselves back back on the horse a little bit, but I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to think of St. Louis because, you know, they won this tournament recently, won it as a sixth seed when they had to win it or they weren't going to get in. But they, you know, they beat Richmond. That was a really good win. They throttled UMass on Monday night. Uh, that, that looks like a great win. But, again, that's the other thing. They've just played UMass and crushed them. A rematch turnaround – was it going to be four days later? That that could be problematic for the Billikens. 
Uh, but they got to win it because because right now they're in that next four outs. So they got to do they they got to do a lot of business in this tournament if they're gonna if they're gonna get it if they're gonna get in the big tournament. So that's it. We now have our quarterfinals. Golly, it's weird because I'm so frustrated that we're not playing regular season games. Uh, I'm so frustrated we're not playing regular season games. That said, it has felt like forever waiting for this quarterfinal game to get here, and I'm so glad it's going to be here tomorrow. Uh, that, you know what, Todd? Let's. I want to finish with that. Who's best set up to win three or four games in a row in a tournament? Well, the first thing we have to remember is in VCU, what's good about having the buy in this setup is you only got to win two in a row, and then you get the week off. Um, in terms of three, four in a row, because the thing is, none of these teams are really hugely deep. So out of the teams that, that, that are having to win three in a row in this case to get to that fourth game next week, I think if I had to pick somebody, I think I'd pick Mason is, is out of, out of the four teams that are having to win three in a row before they get to the fourth one. I'd pick Mason out of the three. Because that's the other thing. It is three. You do have to win the three or four games, but because that that last game is so far away, it's almost a separate thing. Because you have a whole week to rest. You have a whole week to put a special plan in for that one game. It's interesting because you see, you know, the, the America East does this. They play their tournament, and then they take a week off and play that final the following Saturday. Uh, and it's interesting because. There's a different because it's a home court final, so the higher seed gets it home, and so quite often the higher seed wins. But you do get these strange results, and I can think of one in particular, uh, where because the because the road team's got a week to prepare, like I think in that situation, if you're the road team, you want to have that week because you want to have some special things to put in because you need to kind of figure out maybe something to pull an upset. And, and the one that came to mind in terms of the America East was Maryland-Baltimore County, the year they knocked over UVA as a 16. They had to go on the road, I think, at Vermont, and they hadn't won in Vermont ever, and they went up there and beat, their, and beat them. And, and there were some things that they put in that they probably hadn't used at all all year, and that's what you get. That's the advantage that you get. Um, well, and that's an interesting – you know what, Todd? That's interesting, and, and that's a good point about Dayton and – Todd St. Pierre says, this is where I don't see Dayton or St. Louis winning at all. They have a hard time putting wins together because they keep dropping a game when they shouldn't. That is true. Dayton, the most maddeningly inconsistent team. We talked about it on Wednesday. Look at all the standout wins they had, and yet they lost to Fordham, and they lost to St. Joe's, and they lost to LaSalle. You're like, what in the heck? Uh, and in St. Louis has been the same way. You thought St. Louis was getting rolling? After the COVID pause, they'd won four games in a row. They go play Dayton. They get beat, and they get thrashed. And then they come back and lose to VCU without Bones Highland. Then they win their last two. And then when they win their last two, one of them's Richmond, and the other one they walloped Massachusetts. So the consistency angle is absolutely a crucial thing um, because that's – but remember, in the, case of, in the case of St. Louis, they only got to find a way to put two good games together then they can worry about that third game. Dayton, it's three, and they've already got one of them in the bag. And again, they play great, you know, from what it sounds like, they had, they, it sounds like they pretty much had control of this game throughout. 
And while they couldn't totally put Rhode Island away and maybe maybe give their starters a little time off in the second half, uh, they also didn't have to really overtax themselves the way, you know, the way sometimes that kind of stuff can happen. So those are the things you, those are the things that are key. For VCU, I think the interesting thing, I, I'll circle back to VCU and just say Highland in the minutes, assuming he plays, what kind of minutes are we going to play? But defensively, can we do the job on Jalen Crutcher one more time? Is Highland right enough? Is is Baldwin not going to be too tired from the recent exertions? Can Banks, can Watkins, can Vince Williams, can all these guys pitch in and help to do a number on Jalen Crutcher one more time? Because as good as E.B. Watson is playing, if Jalen Crutcher – who's averaged six points against VCU, has another game where he gets six points and he's like, you know, one for eight or two for ten, VCU's winning and that's all there is to it. They cannot win this game, Dayton, with Jalen Crutcher uh, struggling again. He's going to have to play well. There's no two ways about it. Even the assists in the second game wasn't enough to cover up for three for 11. So that's, that's, that's just the long and the short of that. So I want to thank everybody for watching here on Facebook Live. Thank you for listening. If you're listening on on Podbean or Apple, rate, review, subscribe, share it around, tell your friends. Um, Whatever happens tomorrow, I'm going to make it clear to my sister that 3.30 comes, I'm going to be watching the game, uh, whether it's at home and I'm watching it on stream or at my stepdad's and watching it on TV. I'm going to be watching the game. Then we will do this again. The Facebook Live, the post-game pod will be done. We'll do all that tomorrow. And hopefully we will be celebrating a win that will lock VCU into the NCAA tournament field and allow them to maybe relax and say, let's just concentrate on winning one more game to get that final next Sunday. And then we can uh, have all those, we can have all those fun, all the fun talking about that for the next week. So thank you all for listening. Thank you all for watching. Thank you for the comments in the Facebook group. Keep commenting. So as always, I love the conversation. I look forward to talking to you all uh, tomorrow, hopefully after a VCU win. To submit a question for George to answer in an upcoming episode or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities for this podcast, please email ramsrewind at gmail.com. To participate in the post-game Facebook Live with George, Join the Facebook group, VCU Basketball Fans, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll be back after the next game, and thanks for listening to this episode of Rams Rewind.